What's up? You're listening to Toy Photocast with Dega Bidays. We are storytellers. What's up, storytellers? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Toy Photocast. I had a great time with my buddy Edson. You're going to love it. I wanted to go down here and let you guys know what's going on with Toy Photocast. We have just uploaded our first video to YouTube, and that is with Switpix, episode one. You can check that out right now in the show notes. If you just drop down, click on it. So it's nothing new, but if you guys want to look at his artwork, his photography, it's able to do a slideshow as you're watching and listening to the interview. It's a great way to be able to showcase your guys' work. So previous guests, hit me up. I'm going to be able to start uploading those as soon as possible. I'm having a blast doing that. I can't wait to get to the next one and be able to showcase you guys' work some more. Guys, thank you so much also for the Patreon listeners and subscribers. It is a great way to support this podcast Everybody knows the situation we are in in this world, and it's a serious one. Um, this is a great way to, to support everything going on with the podcast is to do a dollar subscription. What you get is bonus episodes every month. We're doing incredible content, quality podcasting to help grow you as a toy photographer. If that's something that you truly and deeply want to do and get better at, you need to listen to those episodes because they're really going to help you and get some really interesting and unique, fresh perspective on changing the things that maybe you need to, to work on as a toy photographer. So yeah, hop on over to the Patreon. So thank you so much guys for listening and thank you so much for supporting uh, myself and this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. And I truly deeply mean that. And guys, I can't wait to see you at the next episode. Peace. Three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Toy Photocast with the one, the only, Mr. Figureworks. What's up, Edson, man? How are you doing? Hey, hey, how's it going? Good. Doing good. Trying to stay safe and secluded. Good, man. I'm glad. I know that you live up in the, the most, one of the most populated areas in the United States, so it's got to be crazy up there right now, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit scary to be honest but yeah it's you know trying to stay positive and kind of keep busy while we're at home so do my best nice and you you told me that you went to the grocery store uh, a little while ago and you had a two-hour journey getting groceries <laughs> yeah two-hour journey as soon as we walked in all the wow. way till we checked out so and it wasn't that busy it's just you know it's because it was not that many people work in there. Yeah. I don't understand that. Why would you have only two cashiers at a time like this? I guess, I don't know. Maybe it is protecting them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only reason I think they could. Yeah. Well, um, everybody, this is, uh, this is my good buddy, Edson. He is a designer, um, 3D modeler, 3D printer, uh, extraordinaire, and I'm having him on the show specifically because he he is what I consider to be someone that's a massive influence in toy photography and and also in uh in art in general. Your work is in I want to say like 
probably like 75% of all like black series shots, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, you're, you're very generous man with like your, your process and the things that you do. And just in the fact that people can access like a lot of your files, uh, for free, if people have a 3d printer, they want to use it. And uh, I mean, it's, it, you're, you're basically like the godfather of black series, uh, diorama making, um, <laughs> That's what I consider you to be. <laughs> you're, you're too kind, man. I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. Uh, you. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, dude, it's it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. We've been we've been uh, buddies for a minute and uh, partners in business, and 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 uh, I just have nothing but respect for you, man. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. And likewise, yeah. thanks for having me. And yeah, man. Uh, should be fun. I'm excited. So we kind of mentioned it before we uh, did the beginning of the show about how long you've been doing this, but you, you are professionally in a architect, a lead designer at an architecture firm. And mm -hmm. you got into doing Star Wars architecture as a kind of like a hobby, kind of a side gig, kind of fun thing when you're not when you weren't doing professional work. Um, when would you say the start date was for you when you did your first 3D model? Because I know you said the rotisserie was your first one, but when was that for you? Yeah, so, okay, so the rotisserie was my first 3D printed model, but the first 3D model I did for like, you know, hobby purposes was uh, the full Java's Palace. Um, just mainly like, you know, the throne area and the, um, the trophy wall. So those were the, that was like the very first 3D model I did outside of like architecture projects, outside of any of that type of stuff I was doing in school. And I would say that was around 20, 2013, 2014. Oh, wow. 2014. Okay. 2014. Okay. Yeah. So 2014 and you started out doing Jabba's Palace. Is that, I know you've said this to me, but I, is that your favorite like Star Wars set? It is, man. Hands down. Hands down. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. What makes it so appealing to you, man? I'm curious. Well, you know, when I think of Jabba's Palace, I always think of like the atmosphere, dark, kind of grimy, you know, very, you know, like of the earth type of place. Um, right. You know, that's, you know, like the walls and stuff look like they're made of, you know, stucco or like rammed earth or like just like whatever materials they had to build it in the palace, you know, and Jabba made it work and he made it look exquisite to his taste. So I don't know, to me, it was like, the, just the materiality, just like the heftiness of the palace, I, I like that. And also just the diversity of like the characters and, you know, all the stuff that kind of populates it, um, just really kind of caught my attention from the beginning. And I like the, for me, for Jabba's Palace, I like the amount of like world building it kind of does for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And George Lucas was a master at this, like he always had a hundred million backstories for every character oh, and yeah. just to know that everything you're seeing on screen has a story and has mm -hmm. fleshed out like that to me was once i learned that because i didn't know that watching it as a kid but once i found that out as an adult i was like 
That's incredible. Yeah, that is insane. so cool. And How do you come up with that? <laughs> I don't know, man. You got to have a dedication like beyond the beyond human sources. So since you made that as your first your first 3D model, your first one was the the Jabba's Palace. Did that kind of like scratch an itch for you as a designer? This we were like, man, like cause this is something I want to do. I think, um, I think I think it did. Um, you know, it started to motivate me to, you know, do more scenes. Um, but also motivated me to kind of push, push myself to learn the 3D software more. Um, yeah. You know, because in school we just we learn it kind of in a very basic way, just enough to kind of get the main basic shapes and stuff of our designs that we're doing. Um, so it really pushed me to kind of develop my skill set more in, in 3D modeling. Um, and I think that's that's one of the main things I enjoyed about it the most was just kind of practicing the skill and just kind of figuring things out and problem solving, like how to be able to create certain, you know, how to be able to recreate specifically like Star Wars props and Star Wars scenery. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I always get blown away by the attention to detail that you go on a model like especially like the kyber crystal crate like the one that you designed um for people that want to if you want to download that and and print that out that's on thingiverse by the way and um whenever i print that out man i'm always blown away by the detail like so is it really important to you to get all the little nooks and crannies of every single model? Like how far do you, when, when do you tell yourself to turn your brain off whenever you're modeling something? You know, it's the sad part. I don't know if it's the sad part, but the, I never, I can never convince myself to stop, you know, like even after, let's say I posted the crate on Thingiverse and it's there for people to download, I still find myself going back to it, you know, three months down the line or, and months down the line and like modifying a few things on it so there's always like that thing where you know that saying where people say you know it's it's really never finished until you say it's done type of thing you know yeah. um but for me it's like i never really say it's done i just find myself keep going back to it um so it's like really me just forcing myself to be like okay is this good enough to like post for people to print or good enough for me to like start producing if I want to come up with anything later on, I can do it way down the line because, you know, that's kind of that, those are the perks of it being 3D digitally 3D modeled is that you can go back and modify things yeah. easily, you know, um, that's true. But yeah, but yeah, it's it's a challenge for me to choose one to stop. I think it's just once I know I captured all the main, you know, the main details that you can see when you compare it to a photo, it's like, oh, okay, it looks like, looks like the prop, but I, I feel pretty good at that point. Where did you get your work ethic, man? Like, where did you de like develop like this tenacity to make things like exactly as screen accurate as possible? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think partly, part of it is from my dad. Um, growing up, he was just kind of very, uh, just always pushed me to, you know, basically finish what I started and just like try and do the best I can. Um, and another person I think that kind of helped me develop in this way was my aunt, uh, my dad's sister. 
Um, and it's, you know, kind of um, just related to this, I used to help her, like a bit of a backstory, you know, while I was growing up, like high school, um, during high school, I used to help my aunt kind of clean houses. Um, that was like, that was her profession. That's what she did. Um, and she would, you know, come and talk to me and my brothers, be like, hey, do you guys want to make some money? Um, we'd be like, yeah, like for sure. You know, cause in high school, when you make money, it's like awesome. You can use it on whatever crap yeah. you want to spend in high school, you know? So, right. like, yeah, sure. And she was like, okay, well, we're, you know, cleaning this house. If you guys want to come help. So we would do that with her, like, you know, every other weekend or so. And when I worked with her, she was just, I don't know, she was just very adamant about, like, cleaning everything down to, like, the smallest corner. Like, it was, it was kind of, it was pretty tedious, but, you know, I think part of my work ethic came from that. Nice. Um, I have, I have a similar background when it comes to, like, uh, attention to detail. Like, with my grandmother, like, my grandmother, she, she was the type of lady that you could eat off the floors. They were so clean. <laughs> like, it was insane. Like, she had this work ethic, man, and she grew up in, I think, like, at the, at the uh, ending of, like, the Great Depression, and she understood, like, extreme poverty, and she also, like, when she got married, like, they were extremely poor, her and my grandfather, and um, whenever they came into money, like, my grandfather, whenever he got his first uh, anchor position at CNN, like, the first paycheck he got, which is, like, a, a monthly check or something like that, paid off all his debt, paid off every single, uh, like, outstanding thing that he owed um, and all of his bills all in one paycheck for the month. And he was like, well, I don't know what to do with all this money. So um, he just started saving. But, like, she, it, the money never, like, made her work less. It actually made her work harder. Like, mm -hmm. she, she like, kicked it into high gear. And uh, I think I, I can sympathize and empathize with that for sure. Um yeah. So I know that you said that you used to live in South America. When did you transition from from South America to the U.S.? Uh, it was in 2000, um, like summer of 2000. I moved back to Tucson. So, so I was born. I was born in Tucson, Arizona, um, and my dad is Ecuadorian. My mom's Puerto Rican. So, like after you know, once I was two, um, he decided to move the whole family down there. And we lived there for you know, seven years and then came back. Wow. Yeah. So what was the uh, what was the reasoning for you guys to come up here to the United States? Was it a job or what was the uh, I think I think it was that you know, we were getting to the age where they felt it was a good time for us to kind of come back to the U.S. and get the U.S. education and also for my mom to start going back to school and, you know, and work, of course, mm -hmm. like, you know, work opportunities for the two of them. Do you feel yeah. like that growing up in two different places, do you feel like that kind of helped you, like, helped you as an adult, like, in this point, like, being able to pull from different social experiences? I think so. Yeah, no, most definitely. You know, it's, it's a whole different culture, you know, it's a you know, other you know, whole different culture, and also like, you know, it's a third world country. You know, you get to see a lot more things that you don't really see, you know, in the United States. Um, 
you know, you just kind of get to value things a lot more when yeah. you kind of live exposed to, you know, that kind of environment. You know, you get to, you know, appreciate things a lot more, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been to South America three times. Um, and I went to some very poor places. Uh, I went to Bolivia twice, and I went to uh, Belize once. I went to Haiti once, and all of those areas that I went to were very impoverished. And it, it's an eye-opening experience when you realize just the level of affluence that the United mm -hmm. States has. Like, and we take it for granted. Like mm -hmm. all the, I take it for granted all the time. Like I take it, I take like running water for granted all the time. Like just yeah. the fact that I can turn on a faucet. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's crazy, man. When you realize like how much we have and yet sometimes we get caught up in the, I don't have enough mentality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You know, there's times I catch myself saying, you know, or just reminding myself that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm thankful for, you know, having the job I have and having all the things, you know, like, you know, the, having a full fridge, for example, or being able to feed myself. And, yeah. You know, just things like that, you know, just kind of just to help remind myself, you know, where I came from, basically. Exactly. I think that keeps like when you keep that mindset, like of humility and like realizing like there are people in the world that would probably like give like their left arm for what you have like no kidding like they really would if, if they had a choice then it's like okay i there's no reason for me to like be in a mind of like like complaining about anything like exactly so since you're a designer and we want to talk about your designs and the things that you you do uh that kind of helps toy photographers um are you specifically designing things that you think would cater to toy photographers or are you just designing things that you like like what is your mind about the things that you do i've to be honest i've never designed with the idea or thoughts of catering to toy photography at all even in the really? beginning yeah even in the beginning i never even thought about that that's fascinating um i was always doing stuff that you know interested me and stuff that i thought i thought was cool or i thought you know would be fun to model and try and figure out um in the modeling software or how it comes together and stuff and detailing and all the things that come with that um but yeah no i just never like it's like you said you know in the intro it's like you can see one of my barrels in almost seventy-five percent, yeah. at least, at least, like at least seventy-five percent. My, bar my barrels or like the doorways that I've done, you know, I, I start to see them more and more, and it's just like you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, and, and you, you know, often the, go, you often go unnoticed, man, which kind of annoys me. But yeah, you know, <laughs> at first I used to that used to bother me, and now I'm just like, you know, I'm okay with it, you know, because. I put those files up for free because these are all files that you know I put online for free for people to use and do whatever they want with. So that was part of, you know, me being okay with it. You know, like it's like yeah, the reason why I put those files up is because you know, I, I just see it as a contribution for me to like, to the you know, to the Star Wars toy community. Just like 
I just felt like I wanted to leave something for people to work off of or something for people to kind of get motivated and start something themselves. And I just figured that was a good way to do that. That's amazing, man. Like, I can honestly say I wouldn't be here without... I would be here, but I wouldn't be at the level that I'm doing it without you, man. Like, doing my stuff. Like, so I got to say thank you personally and professionally uh, for your contribution. So... Thank you, man. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Um, that's interesting, man. I never thought that you... I mean, I guess I could see that now, that you never really intended this to be for toy photography, but it makes sense. Like, you were just doing it because you enjoyed it, and you like had a great time, and you want to contribute to to Star Wars fans, and, and that's awesome, man. Like, if you could design anything and in the star wars realm and let's just say like the sky's the limit like and you have absolutely like an Mm -hmm. infinite budget like to make it like what would you make shit (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh um well i'm gonna just go what scale would you make it what scale yeah what scale you know i'll stick with one to twelve just because it's just feels so right you know the, the size just feels so right it's like yeah, because one to six is just giant. You know, where you're gonna put, where you're gonna put all that, and it's just like, yeah. I don't know. And then you know, one to eighteen is just too tiny. So, yeah, one to twelve is the one for me. But I agree, one twelve. But what would you do? What would you make? If I go off of stuff that I haven't done, it would be. You know, lately I've been thinking it'd be cool to have like a one to twelve one. Slave one, you know, like fully detailed, fully operable, like articulated, like, you know, all the doors and panels open up, stuff's removable, you know, like the wings can hinge and move, you know, even with like integrated lights in it. I think that would be like my dream thing to do, also just so I can start getting more into like doing vehicles and stuff. Oh man, dude. That would be, especially if it was diecast, like if you had diecast parts in it and you were able to like have the entire cockpit that would like open and be able to put the figures in, man, or, or doing the, or doing the, um, the Mandalorian ship. Oh yeah. Dude. I think that would be my, if I had to choose, that would be mine. The the Razor Crest? Razor Crest, thank you. Yeah, the Razor Crest. That would be the 112. Like, like I it would be a heavy son of a gun. Like to do that fully diecast. But dude, that, it man, would be beautiful, dude. I know it'd be. Like, gorgeous. imagine also doing like all the control panels and the you know the cockpit light up and stuff. That would just be crazy. Yeah, and then being able to open up the gun rack, like having a little button that you could like press from oh, the outside. Gosh. Oh, my 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 inner geek is just like having a great time right now um that'd be great yeah, yeah i think i think what's your what's your thoughts on this about what hasbro because i know they just came out with the pre-order for the hoth snowspeeder are you getting are you getting that snowspeeder i think i will i mean i you know i don't usually buy stuff from hasbro that much nowadays you know just kind of simplifying my whole collection down but i think the snowspeeder is a good one to get um, yeah 
That's a good price too. That's a great price. And That's a really good price. It's, it's a great vehicle to to release too. It's a, it's awesome. I'm glad they're doing that. I'm glad they're expanding more into that. I know. I I really felt bad for them whenever they released the Tie Fighter, the First Order, and that was a really weird choice to do a first big vehicle like that, <laughs> like mm-hmm. to be the First Order Tie Fighter. Um, and I actually picked one up at a like a discount store for like fifty bucks or something like that. How is it? I've never actually seen it in person. Like what? Yeah, I've just, oh, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it, you know, on the shelf and stuff. You know, the, you know it's store it's the, really highly detailed. It's a great um, it's a great piece to have. Like especially if you want to repaint it and make it a original trilogy Tie Fighter, um, mm-hmm. because it's the same design pretty much. But um, yeah, it's a great. I I had that for. I had to actually sell it whenever I moved from Franklin, Tennessee, to Lexington, Kentucky. I just didn't have room, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to be living somewhere that's not my place. And I don't want to store it." And so I ended up selling it. But uh, yeah, that was that was one of my prized possessions for a while. That big old Tie Fighter. My wife was like, "What are you doing with this?" Because <laughs> we were living in a tiny house at the time. And I was storing it in the in the attic because I couldn't just keep it out like in the in the living space. But it's massive, man. It's it takes up a big hunk of real estate. I mean, I've seen people make like side tables with them. So yeah, yeah, they're that big. And yeah. I, I've seen people. Have you seen the people like do the the first order like <laughs> the interior of the like the hanger with the one twelve scale ones? Oh yeah, I've seen those. those are- freaking crazy builds i don't understand the the amount of time and also the amount of space it takes to be able to build something like that that's like i don't i don't get it but yeah um, i mean i don't get it either (laughs) i I just know i couldn't have that in my current living situation so yeah me neither yeah like and i have more space than you do which is crazy but back to uh my kind of wish list about talking about uh, vehicles and stuff so since hasbro is making the 112 hoth snow speeder um do you think that they're going to do because they're making the three and three quarter uh slave one do you think they'll come around to the 112 scale or is it oh, just dude. oh man that's maybe if they do like a hasbro pulse thing like they did for the barge i could see that but is i'm it... not sure if they do it for like a retail you just pick it up yeah it just it'd just be so massive man yeah how big would that be if it was true 112 i'd have to see let me see because that would be at least four or five feet right like in length at least i mean if we're looking at it you know in real life scale it's 21.5 meters so what is that in feet so that's like it's like sixty-eight feet. Oh god! Um, so sixty-eight, you know, just re- real quick, sixty-eight divided by two, roughly a little more than three feet tall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, be huge. I mean, how, long, how, how long was the barge? Was it four feet? 
I think so. Around a four to five feet. And that box was massive. I remember like I was working at UPS whenever people started getting the barges and I witnessed some some horrible, horrifying things of people packing those things inside the trucks. People treat packages awful at UPS. But but yeah, I remember seeing that and I was like, it was up to my waist, like the size of the box. It's pretty big. Um, But yeah, just logistics and being able to ship stuff that big like um i know firsthand shipping dioramas is is no joke like it is ungodly expensive and so i'm like curious how they would do it if they were to do it but anyways um back to the interview so you said that you particularly like the 112 scale so do i we both enjoy it it's 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 become, in my opinion, one of the, like, I think it's going to be, like, the only scale people really collect anymore. Like, of course, you're going to have your Hot Toys collectors and stuff like that. But, like, going into, like, the next, I predict in the next five to ten years, like, most other scales will kind of die down. Mm-hmm. I think 112 will just be predominant and stay and reign as the king of all scales. <laughs> but um, I can see that. Yeah, I think so. But for the future, are you are you wanting to do any any projects uh, specifically for one twelve um, that you haven't announced yet? Do you have anything that you're working on? Um, um, do you well, want to talk about? Currently, well, the last thing I worked on was the version two of the rotisserie, and yeah. that kind of just you know stalled because of kind of the stuff the world's going through right now. So that's kind of been put on pause um other than that um you know it's you know i have you know i have a lot more projects that i've started that i'd like to get done you know like you know vader's meditation pod is one or the um what's another one you know the carbon freezing chamber the floor and the stairs i have the what else do i have you know i have the death star throne room the window and the stairs and the side walls but you know those are just like more long-term projects for me that i'd probably tackle later on down the line for myself yeah um but lately i've been thinking about lately i've been thinking about doing something outside of star wars for myself like a cool rooftop diorama like nyc rooftop for like my spider-man my Spider-Man Mesco collection. So, are you going to be doing about lately? Are you going to be doing it three D printed, or are you going to make it out of foam? I think I'm going to do it three D printed. Nice. Um, That'd be dope. I, just because I have it. Yeah, just because it's easier. Oh, yeah. I love cutting out foam, but man, it is a lot of work when you have a lot of foam to cut. <laughs> I, I bet, man. Um, I I envy Crashbox Customs with that uh, with that CNC. <laughs> that thing is incredible. I've got to get one of those. Yeah, um, great investment. Yeah. So, looking into the future, I, I always like to do like a ten year kind of journey into the future. Do you see yourself doing like? Are you going to stay in the architecture lane? Or are you actually going to move over into maybe doing stuff like that you like like hobby wise like professionally because a lot uh, you know you do 
you do a lot of stuff um, for side money, but like, would you ever consider like joining like a Hasbro team or like maybe like a Lucasfilm team to make like products or even like designing like movies or like props and stuff like that? I mean, hundred percent, you know, I'd be totally into if that opportunity came, you know, you know, if the opportunity came, I would jump, jump on it. Um, yeah. In a heartbeat. Um, but as far as like, I don't know, I, you know, the work I do is, you know, it's a bit different, like professionally, it's, you know, it's more real world and, you know, my creativity is a bit, works a bit differently when I do that kind of work. Um, so yeah, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know how much longer I'd want to do that for. Um, so I think, you know, I can push myself to kind of step outside the box and find the right place for me that can help me with, you know, you know, using the skills I have, you know, developed with the hobby I do, that'd be, it'd be great. Um, yeah. You know, I just thought of something. I, I know that Sideshow used to do, um, diorama sets back in the day but i don't know if they have the star wars license for that anymore but it'd be awesome to see like someone like yourself like get on a team like that and build out sets and be able to mass produce like dioramas at the quality that you design them at like i would love that man like if if people could access that on a bigger scale that'd be so cool and have your name on it and that'd be amazing <laughs> that'd be so cool that would be great I mean, we gotta ideally, knock on some doors. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's really what it takes, you know. Just gotta put yourself out there. For sure. What's your opinion, man, about the whole toy photography, toy community itself? Like, do you ever want to get into photography, or do you have any sort of desire to do it, or is it something that you just like to look at and enjoy? Um, what's your view on the whole thing? Hmm, that's a good question. I want to say, you know, personally, I would like, you know, I would like to get better at photography and, you know, I've actually looked into getting, you know, my own DSLR um, in the past, you know, just like, just so I can kind of develop that skill set a bit more. Nice. Yeah. Um, but toy, I don't know. I mean, I guess once I get that, I can, I feel like maybe I can play around with the photography more and maybe use that to help promote my work more. Um, and that's kind of in the realm I start to think about it is like, you know, if I can photograph my work myself in a way that, you know, and, you know, in that much better quality, I yeah. think that would help kind of help wholeheartedly. Grow and, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That would, that would take your stuff to like the next level, I think that. So, yeah, so I think that that's in the lens I kind of look at it is you know if I pick up that skill set it'd be for just you know to help kind of bring my work up to a new level. Um, but as far as like you know the work that other people do like Sergeant Bananas or Jason or you know, Eric and Kylo or you or you know all the guys out there, it's just I mainly just follow them just because it's just fun and it's just cool to see what what they come up with. Yeah. Um, yeah nice that's awesome man um 
at this point, man, I I don't got anything else really to say, man, other than thank you for coming on. And uh, I'm excited to see exactly what you're going to be doing in the future. I know it's going to be big. And is there anything that you want to say to the people that like follow you and the people that uh, purchased from you before that you want to give a shout out to um, before we close? Uh, I mean, just thank you. Thank you for supporting my work and just for kind of, you know, especially the people that have been following me from the beginning and, you know, people following me now and just finding my work now. Um, just thank you for your support and I hope that you stick around longer and yeah, that's, that's mainly it now. Nice. Very, just appreciate, you know, all the, all the people that follow me now. Awesome, man. Where can people connect with you on your social media handles? Um, you can find me on Facebook, just facebook.com slash figureworks, or on Instagram, just look for figureworks.co. Awesome. And, and Are also, you on Twitter? I mean, uh, no, I'm not on Twitter, but I was going to say okay. if you want to download free files, you just go on thingiverse.com and search for figureworks, and you can access all the 3D models that are available through there. Awesome. Sweet, man. Thank you so much for, for coming on and doing what you do. And you can find me at Dagobah underscore days. You can find the Toy Photocast on Instagram at Toy Photocast. You can find all the links um, for this show. You can find FigureWorks, myself, all the links on the show notes. So just click down and you'll be able to find everything. You can find our feature pages, 112 Community Toy, uh, Star Wars Toy Picks on Instagram as well. And remember, we are storytellers. Get out there, tell your story, have some fun, shoot some toys. And yeah. See you at the next episode, guys. Peace. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Toy Photocast. If you're enjoying this content and if this is adding value to you, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to hear. And that's going to help us shape the future of these episodes as we grow deeper into toy photography and the incredible community that surrounds it. Thank you guys again and have a great day. Peace. Got to give a shout out to our hardcore Patreon members, Jordan Dodrill and Stephanie Beyer. Thank you so much for being a supportive asset to the Toy Photocast team. We love you guys and we appreciate you. See you at the next episode. Peace.